All right. Good morning. Let's do a show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. This is Just Human number 191, and it is Monday. I am happy to be back. Sorry I missed Friday, but when dad duty calls, then you got to be dad. So that's what I did, and uh, everybody's everybody's well. All the kids are good now. Everything worked out just fine, but um, I missed doing a Friday show. I had some stuff I wanted to present, and we will... We'll hit a couple of those things. It's kind of worked out pretty well because the weekend was the weekend was solid. And um, I found a lot of information. Like inst- I, I ended up digging a little deeper into some things. So I have some stuff I'm going to present today. Some of it I already talked about last night on Defected with Burning Bright. That felt like a good episode last night. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm trying not to make it where... I talk too much on defected about what I then talk about on the show the next day, but there's always going to be some overlap. Um, but today we're going to get, we're going to get into some subjects I didn't touch last night and we're going to uh, dive a little deeper into some of the subjects I did talk about last night. Um, so hope you guys are doing well. Good morning to everybody who's watching on D live rumble Foxhole and also Twitter. Um, the most active chat, if you want to join a chat and talk to some other people watching the show, is on Rumble. But the second best is definitely Foxhole. So good morning, everybody. I think um I think I want to start 
Yeah, let's start with the whole Manhattan grand jury, all that stuff. Let's go right here. Yes. All right. If you like the show, give it a thumbs up or whatever it is on the platform that you're on a rumble. It's a thumbs up. If you want to support the show, the links to do that are in the description. Let me open these up because these all, these all relate. So I wrote this thread a while back, but I'm going to go ahead and, and cover it because it's going to feed into some more of what I'm going to talk about. Cy Vance, he failed to get Trump and two prosecutors quit because of it. That'd be Mark Pomerantz and Kerry Dunn and Cy decided not to run for office again, right? And then along comes Bragg and he tries to do the same thing to get Trump. And he's going to get the same result. But this time, Trump via his social media posts and statements has highlighted the Manhattan DA's office and put all the attention on it like never before. For Alvin Bragg and his supporters and cheerleaders in the media and politics, there's fire on both sides of the door. No indictment, and he has failed. And media and the politicians got tricked, again, into joining his wagon as it launched off the cliff. If he does pin an indictment against Trump, which I don't believe he will, because I don't believe Trump is a target anyway, it will be easily dismissed. Trump will have more street cred because he just got indicted by a crooked DA, as the narrative goes, and support, and he'll have more support than ever before. And Bragg, the media, the politicians who went along with this, the GOP establishment types who turned on Trump, and have been making the case that he can't win because of such things as this Manhattan grand jury and these allegations, they'll all have hell to face. Either way, on the other side of Trump's matador's cloak or cape is a brick wall. And they are headed full speed right into it. And you saw them last week start to hit some of the brakes, right? Canceling the grand jury on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, Alvin Bragg doing a press conference, media starting to publish articles such as this right here, trying to tell you this is how Trump's pay- this is how Trump's hush money payments is different than John Edwards' case. And yeah, it's different because Trump didn't do anything. <laughs> Trump didn't do it. John Edwards did. Um but articles like this are them like, oh, we gotta we just we just spent all this time and now people are starting to think of all these other hush money payment cases. We gotta make sure that they think Donald Trump is bad, but our favorite Democrats, they're not actually that bad, okay? He was just accused of this and he needed to, he was hiding an affair. Oh man, I remember that scandal. Um and then this piece by Jonathan Turley that I mentioned last night on Defected. Could Trump win by losing? Sometimes nothing is a real cool hand. And I liked this article. I think it was a fun read. Honestly, it had some really good lines in it. It had a lot of good lines. Um, it's it's just it's just good. Um, but there was I like this line right here. The fact is that Trump is in his element. In the land of rage, the most enraged man is king. And if you surf cable news shows, 
you will see pundits in virtual ecstasy as they prepare for the possibility of a Trump mugshot or perp walk. The level of excitement could prompt Pornhub to do its first live courthouse feed. The end is near predictions may be more of a fetish than fact, however. A new Harvard-Harris poll shows 59% of Americans think the indictment is politically motivated, and 67% think the Trump payment in question was a personal expense. And that's from a Harvard poll. You know it's actually better than that if it's from a Harvard poll. I wonder what Rasmussen has come up with. Some liberal legal analysts have denounced Attorney Garland for not expediting criminal charges against Trump. That's true. It's amazing how unpopular Merrick Garland is on the left. If you're stuck in the uh, fake news media chamber of the right, you don't pick that up. But if you go and peruse the left-wing media and uh, left-wing Twitter, and they're, they're not happy with Merrick Garland. And they haven't been happy with Merrick Garland since about six months or so into this administration. Now, if that is the measure, back to the piece, if that is the measure, Trump just might have a winning hand regardless of what occurs in these cases. Good piece by um, Jonathan Turley here. I shared on some of my socials. It's good. Yeah, it's in the hill. So what? It's Jonathan Turley. It's a good piece. Um, Back to this thread I wrote. There's also the possibility that a spicier dish may be served up, one that results in the indictment of someone other than Trump and flips this entire fake news saga on its head and twists it into a pretzel. That's the dish I'm hoping will be served, and I do believe more strongly than ever that is the dish that will be served. Trump also put this out um, the same day I wrote this thread, he said, it is being said that disbarred lawyer Michael Cohen was put out to dry today after his highly respected former attorney and legal advisor Robert Costello made a great impression not only on the DA's office, but the grand jury itself. He is known to be a great lawyer and highly honorable man. He stated to the media that he could no longer listen to the lies that Cohen was spreading. He told the truth with papers, documents, and backup. He left zero doubt the DA will do the right thing. As a statement. The DA will do the right thing. I believe him, and I don't believe the right thing is indicting Trump. I think the right thing is indicting the actual criminals criminals that this grand jury is actually targeting, and they're not Trump. And last night, or this morning, one eleven a.m., Trump posted, remember, the DOJ is running the local Manhattan's DA's prosecution. They just don't want their fingerprints on it. They placed a top person in the office. Wonder who that is. Now, let's go a little deeper. I'm convinced Stormy is another one of Trump's Matador's cloak tricks. His enemies, especially in the media, cannot resist charging at her. There's porn, there's sex, there's cover-up, there's hush payments, there's crooked lawyers. 
as the media covers this hoax scandal, they are at the same time informing their readers and their viewers of how such scandals cover-ups work and turning them all against such things. Hello, Bill Clinton and a number of other politicians who have engaged in the same and worse behavior and who the media previously defended. It's like a reverse Overton window. Trump has undone much of the programming that media uploaded to the simulation in the wake of Clinton's sex scandals. However, this is a secondary or tertiary benefit of the operation. The real question is, who is or are the real targets of the operation? Is it Keith Davidson, Stormy Daniels' former lawyer, who was paid the $130,000 out of Cohen Shell Company? Is it Elliot Broidy, who was paid $62,500 out of Cohen Shell Company and then transferred $385,000 into another account that then funneled that same amount back to Keith Davidson? Is it Victor Vexelberg, who used Columbus Nova to pay a half million dollars into Cohen's Shell Company? Or is it First Republic Bank, the bank that's in trouble right now, and the bank that Cohen used for the Shell Company? It could be someone that nobody has even considered. One thing we can know for certain is that the target is not Trump. He's the bait and also the matador. He always is. And as if to back me up on this, and I'm not saying that's why he said this, but as if to back me up on this, Trump came out and said this the other day at the rally, which we played last night. And it's so, it's so good. Let me unmute this tab. Well, let me pause again. They they want to investigate everybody, but they are the ones that are really under investigation. Oh, y'all didn't get any sound? I'm sorry. I left y'all muted on that. My bad. My bad. I don't mind playing it again. I don't mind playing it again. We're always looking. We got crazy people like Schiff, Shifty Schiff, and Hillary, and all of these people. These people, they don't want to talk about greatness for our country. All they want to do is investigate everybody, but they are the ones that are really under investigation. I also want to thank, we're always looking, we got crazy people. And he gets off of it immediately, but I mean, that's exactly the case that I have made, that Dawson S. Field has made, that so many people have been making, and with good evidence that all, almost every single one of these cases where Trump is secretly under or is allegedly under investigation. And why does it say I'm not following Patel Patriot? Sorry to. Okay. All right. All right. That was weird. All right. Anyway, um, this is how it always comes up. This, uh, this is almost every single time we find out that 
there was somebody else who was the target the entire time. Trump was this the bait and the trap. And it happens over and over and over again. And for those of us who see this and speak to that being the case, it's like the current of fake news is going against us. And Trump builds up on that current. Not that he doesn't encourage it. He does. And we're over here just like, yeah, this isn't going to, they're not going to get Trump. This isn't even about getting Trump. Then boom, someone else gets indicted. So I said it last night about there being, I think a better case that Cohen and Stormy are actually Team Trump and have been all along. And I lean that way more and more strongly the more I look. And I tease something that I had put together um, that I wasn't going to say last night. But this is something I'm chewing on, and it's probably premature for me to share this. Um, but I'm going to share it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and share it. Um, okay. So I had a moment of clarity the other night, or I think it's a moment of clarity. It could be a moment of confusion, but but I'm pretty sure it's a moment of clarity. And it happened it happened uh on um Saturday night, I think, when I went to bed and I laid down and I was trying to turn my brain off and just go to sleep, right? And it, I mean it was and this has happened to me a few times lately, where I just as soon as my head hits the pillow, suddenly a bunch of information synthesizes and clicks together. And uh, it happened to me a couple of weeks ago and I got kind of frustrated by it because I basically wrote in a whole article in my head while I was trying to go to sleep. And I was like trying to get myself, no, go to bed. But then there was another part of me that was like, get up and write all this down. You're not going to remember it tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I hate it. So this is one of the things that did happen to me. And I actually did remember it the next day. Um, okay. So this has to do with Michael Cohen and the Mueller special counsel and Trump and all of this. So I talked, I mentioned on defected, I mean, on devolution power hour last Wednesday, I was talking about Cohen. And I was talking about the Cohen uh, and Sater working together for the Trump uh, Tower Moscow deal and how that was actually a sting operation. And we knew that. And you can you can see it in the actual indictments that came out of it against Buryakov um, and the uh, what is it? VEB Bank or VSB, whatever the bank is. Um, so Cohen lied. I said on the on Devolution Power Hour that. Cohen told the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, he told them a lie. He said that um, the discussions regarding Trump Tower Moscow had ended in January of 2016. 
and that it's understood that he did this to, in order to minimize the Trump-Russia connection, which makes sense that he would he would want to um, protect Trump and not talk about how long those discussions went on because there was the Russia Gate scandal. Russia, Russia, Russia was starting to build up and was well, it was already a thing by the time he was interviewed, and he wanted to minimize that. But there's a side that it doesn't really make sense because Trump absolutely leaned into that. He he put people in his campaign and in his his cabinet that had Russia connections. And he himself has connections to Russia. Um, so it wasn't like he would Trump was trying to distance himself from connections with Russia. He was he wanted it. He wanted the media to chase him. He wanted them to chase the Russia, Russia, Russia bait. They He wanted them to create that hoax because it exposed all these deep state actors and swamp monsters, right? So why would, why would Cohen minimize it? And he minimized it to the point that he, and he was lying and he knew he was lying and he got charged for it. Because in truth, the discussions about Trump Tower Moscow, they continued until June of 2016. So I started thinking about this, and one of the things that really, really stood out to me, I was reading the um, the indictment of Cohen from the Mueller Special Counsel and his his plea agreement. And one of the things that really stood out to me was that in early May of 2016, Cohen was invited to the St. Petersburg Forum, which took place June 16th through 19th of 2016. And Putin's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov, wanted to meet Cohen and possibly introduce him to either Putin himself or uh, Medvedev. And when asked about this, Cohen replied, works for me when they were discussing these dates. Okay. This was in early May. Said, yep. That works for me. He's going that forum, that St. Petersburg forum. And some of you may already be thinking this, especially if you followed me through the Danchenko trial is the same one that Danchenko attended. It's the same one where he gathered all these rumors from um, others that were at the forum. And then he fed those rumors and allegations to Christopher Steele, who then assembled them into the Steele dossier. That's the event that Cohen was invited to. A month after agreeing to attend that event, on June 14th, 2016, so two days before it starts, Cohen let Sater know that he would not be going to the forum. So last minute, canceled it. And what I'm wondering is did, Co- did, did Michael Cohen and Felix Sater bait the swamp into focusing energy on the Trump Tower Moscow deal and even faint that they would attend this forum so that Danchenko, Chuck Dolan, 
and others would meet there in an attempt to set up Cohen and Sater, only to be stood up. Because this 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 is a this meeting at this forum in St. Petersburg was crucial in the Danchenko trial and in the Danchenko timeline. It's where he got all these rumors together about PP tapes and uh, communications and all this stuff, and then fed it to Steele, and then Steele turned those into his reports. And him and Chuck Dolan conspired about about these things, and then they planned to meet up later at a different event in October in Moscow. Imagine if Michael Cohen and Felix Sater had actually been at that event. I think if they had, I think Danchenko and others would have shook them down for any sort of rumor, any sort of connection to the Trump camp and and Russia and tried to get anything they could that they could then twist. Because remember, Danchenko was like an insider tells me that blah, 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 blah. And the campaign, there's the campaign isn't happy and Manafort and uh, what's his name? His name just escaped me right now. Um, the guy with the Ferrari that was the campaign manager, they had a falling out, like all these rumors. So if Cohen and Sater had been there, they definitely would have been a targeted to try and get some of those rumors out of them. And they would have used it. It's like, hey, Trump's personal attorney and another man who was setting up the Trump Moscow deal were at the St. Petersburg Forum, um, and they would have used that to establish more of a connection between Trump and Russia. And then imagine if Medvedev or Putin had made an appearance at the forum, they would have said, yep, Trump sent his personal attorney to a forum in St. Petersburg in June of 2016 to meet with Putin. Like, that's what that's what have been the stories that could have been generated, right? Like, imagine all the things that could have come out of it. But instead, Cohen and Sater were like, we're out two days before the event. Too late for the people like Danchenko and others to change plans. So they show up, and Trump doesn't have representatives there. Cohen's not there. So what do they do? They scrounge around for some rumors. They scrounge around for anything they can come up with. And Danchenko ends up feeding Christopher Steele a bunch of bullshit that Steele packages into the Steele dossier, which is itself a horrible piece of intelligence. Remember I covered like a month or so ago, maybe it's been longer than that, um, that Eric Garland video I recommended to y'all where he's talking about how Christopher Steele was this highly, highly respected intelligence agent. He ran the, um, whatever it's called, the something house in uh, Britain. He, he ran, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called. It's the something house, but it's, it's their operation that is focused on counter intel operations against Russia. Christopher Steele was in charge of that. He knows how to put together good intelligence. He knows how to put together reports and dossiers. He knows how to construct it, format it, organize it. He knows the difference between good intel and bad intel. And yet he produces the steel dossier that is absolute junk, horribly formatted, not a finished product at all. 
And Felix Sater, professional asset, professional intelligence operator, spy, counter-intel officer or asset. Cohen, an asset who was in the Sater and Cohen working together as assets for the DOJ in the sting operation that was the Moscow Trump Tower deal. I think they knew that there was a work being done on them. And they ran a counter intel op back to bait these people and to leave them hanging and to let them come up with this junk of a report to Christopher Steele, who had been hired to produce these reports against Donald Trump, who had been hired to dig up whatever he could on Trump. If this is all true, it helps explain why Christopher Steele produced what he did. Because he was expecting Cohen and Sarah to be at the forum. They weren't. They had to figure something out. Danchenko had been hired to gather stuff. He didn't have a good source, so he relied on rumors, and he relied on media reports that were publicly available anyway, right? He just twisted it and changed names and acted as if he got them from an insider, when really he got them from news reports that were sent to him by Chuck Dolan, right? Now, I I am still chewing on this, even as I'm talking about it to y'all. But here's the real, as interesting as what I said may be to you, here's the real, the real thing. Here's the meat of it. Here's the, the most significant portion. In other words, I'm thinking that Cohen didn't lie. I said on the Devolution Power Hour, I said that I think he lied to minimize the Trump-Russia connection. I don't think that anymore. I don't think he lied to the Senate and the House committees just to minimize the Trump-Russia connection. Which, remember, I said doesn't make sense anyway because Trump was leaning into that. And he didn't lie just because the Trump-Russia, the Trump Tower deal in Moscow was a sting operation that he was part of. I think he lied to protect the bigger operation, the bigger sting, the sting that was being run on the swamp, including people sitting on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He couldn't tell them. He couldn't tell them the details of how long the Trump Tower Moscow deal went on. Because he was lying to protect the bigger operation. And I think he did that because he's aware of it to a significant degree. Because he is on Team Trump and was working for Trump then and is working for Trump now. If this is true, then that shows that Cohen's loyalty is so great. Cohen's loyalty is so, his, his, he is so, and I'm, saying, I'm not saying he knows everything and he's part of the Q-op or something. But I'm saying that he was aware of not just the Moscow Trump Tower deal sting. He was aware of the bigger sting against Hillary Clinton and Fusion GPS and the people trying to frame Trump for Trump-Russia collusion. 
and he lied to protect that sting. And I think that makes a lot more sense. And one thing I've been thinking of, one thing I've been thinking of is he immediately pled guilty. Like he he copped, he like he got charged and he was like, Yep, yeah, I'm guilty, got a plea deal. You know, he didn't fight it. And of course the counter to maybe what I'm saying is that, or maybe an obvious counter is, well, he went to prison. Like why would like he, he went to prison cause he's crooked. He didn't went to prison cause he was a protecting something. But I want to say, would you go to print? Would you, would you take, let's say it's true. Would you take, and that was you put you, put yourself in those shoes. Um, would you go through what he's gone through? Like, uh, Take the penalty, like the the cost the, of of lying like that, and going to prison. Would you do that for your country? Would you Would you be willing to go to prison for two to five years in order to protect an operation that was trying to catch Hillary Clinton and her cronies? Like how, how much would you sacrifice if you were in Cohen's shoes in order to protect not just Trump, but to protect the country and to drain the swamp of some of its worst swamp creatures? How far would you be willing to go? Because if this is a war, like we think it is, and if this is a sting operation against some of the worst people, It's two to five years in prison. It's a it's a significant cost, but if you knew what you were protecting and doing that, it's something to think about. It's something it's really something to think about. So I've been chewing on that all weekend, and the more I think about it, the more it makes sense to me. It makes a it makes a lot of sense to me. So that's one of the things that I was uh, teasing last night. Maybe the thing I was teasing last night. There's something else I'm working on that I'm not quite ready. I haven't I haven't assembled it. It's on a different topic, but I haven't I haven't quite assembled it into something I can, I can present yet, but think about, think about that and think about what Trump's saying and how last week went. And I see people in chat saying, absolutely. I would in a, in a minute, I would do this. Absolutely. Oh, Sammy the Squirrel, thank you for the rant. He says, also remember in the beginning, Cohen said he would take a bullet for President Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
It's inter- it's interesting. I've been think I've been thinking about it a lot. And that's what synth- that's what synthesized for me is that I read his indictment and I read his plea agreement and I was like, St. Petersburg Forum. That's where Danchenko was. That's where Dolan was. What? Wow. He almost, you know, he almost ended up at the same place as them. And that, that event that was so focused on in the Danchenko trial and timeline. And then I was like, AKB Baker is trying to get me to uh, talk about how Comey is my homie. I think, (laughs) Uh, not today, not today. (laughs) But Comey is my homie. <laughs> I, I I wait till people figure out what Comey did for the country. Ah, ha, 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 ha. You and you enjoy this show a lot a lot more. Not even my show. I mean the whole show we're witnessing. Once you realize that Comey isn't on Team Swamp. Uh, this is a whole lot more fun. So, um, but good morning to you, AKB Baker. Comey is absolutely a, uh, a member of the band. He's absolutely a member of the band. Yep. Michael Cohen said he would take a bullet for Trump. He went from saying that to implicating him in federal crimes. Oh, once another story from when, oh, Cohen has turned on Trump. He's going to, he's going to implicate Trump in federal crimes. Nope. 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 (laughs) But the media can't resist. They couldn't resist in February of 2019 and they can't resist in March of 2023. Um, I actually saw that uh, Cohen had an article last month for MSNBC. He's an MSNBC contributor and he had this article about, um, Oh, what was it? Oh, it was about how bad Bush was. It was about how Bush is the worst. He's like one of the worst presidents ever. And don't forget about how terrible he is. (laughs) <laughs> anyway um all right we're going to talk about horowitz um i'll do a i may do a show on uh the band later on where, where, where'd that comment go g craig says kyle please do a show on the band please i yeah i i may do that i've been toying with the idea of presenting um at the badlands event in Chandler, Arizona. I've been, I've, I've been toying with the idea of presenting a, or doing a presentation about Trump being an asset and all the members of the band and various things that Trump has been a part of. And, uh, just making the case that, that like I do on this show pretty often or have done several times that, um, that Trump is an asset and the swamp really messed up when they started spying on Trump and trying to frame him because they were trying to frame a DOJ asset. And so it's like, how stupid could you be? Like if, like if, (laughs) like, 
this such this so bad this such a bad idea once you realize it it's hilarious like the the whole spygate thing is hilarious once you realize they were spying on an asset who was baiting them into spying on him um i've i've been um i've been toying with that one one thing that i really one thing that that i resist about it is that Well, one, it's in my mind that Trump doesn't exactly want that out there. Like, the Q team knew what they were doing when they inspired Anons to dig and dig and dig. And you can find this stuff open source. Um, it used to not it's used to not be that big of a secret. The media used to talk about it. Um, but it does stick in my mind that, you know, me working like presenting that kind of goes against what the uh, popular narrative, like what Trump team wants to be out there. And I don't run, I don't want to run counter to that, but I also don't want to act like it's not a thing. So I kind of I kind of wrestle with that, and I just can't resist. And like I'm just kind of like, you know what? On my show, my appearances, I'm going to mention it. I'm going to talk about it, and uh, just point it out here and there. Especially when it's when it when it humors me, I guess when I find it uniquely entertaining because of what's in the news, like with the Manhattan DA. But I don't I don't want to try and like make it a thing where I'm always trying to convince people of it. And then the other thing is that it goes so against the narrative that is out there right now that Trump pushes about the Department of Injustice and the, um, you know, all them talking about how crooked the FBI is and um, all these kind of things. Like the narrative out there is DOJ bad, FBI bad. And so I do want to push against that because. I mean, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I think they want that out there for the narrative shielding purposes and because it's building up, you know, it's drawing tension on the bow or however you want to analogize it. It's, it's pushing things over to one side because there's so much justice that is coming. You need to move things over there as much as possible so that MAGA is um, upset with DOJ and FBI because as they prosecute more and more swamp monsters and they get, they start going after more and more people that we would want them to go after. The tables are going to turn pretty freaking quick and it's shielding the appearance that DOJ and FBI are going after Trump's enemies for Trump, which will come that act, that accusation will come. Uh, I mean, it's already out there anyway against Durham. So, but then this other part of me is like, no, let's talk about it. One, because it is out there. Like, it's not anybody can figure this out. But also I want to share it because I want to undo these black pills and this fake news. And I want people to enjoy the show and have a positive outlook. And there's a real, there's a real tangible 
benefit to that that goes beyond that because being black pilled and doomerish is a negative state of being. It's a negative outlook. Um, that even if it's a negative outlook just on the country or on certain agencies, that negativity ends up feeding into and bleeding into other areas of your life. And it affects, it affects you. It affects your relationships and it affects your mood and all these other things. So like, I want to undo black pills, not just because, Oh, I disagree with being black pill. And I think you should be optimistic about it. I want to undo black pills because I literally think it helps people have a better life because I've met so many people and I've been a person that was so black pilled about politics and about the country that it made me a horrible person to be around. And I ended up becoming black pilled about other things. And it's just like, you get into this negativity cycle or this, you know, um, so I want to combat it, not because I want people to agree with me. I want to combat it because I want people to be optimistic about not just the country's future, but their own future. And just generally, I want to push positivity. So does Trump. I mean, Trump, Trump black pills a lot, but then he'll follow it up with, but we're going to fix it all as soon as I get back in the office or, but we can fix it together or the best is yet to come. I promise. Like he'll, he'll black pill a lot, but then he'll come around and he'll, he'll put a book into it that seeds some hope. And I want more of that. So, um, filter dog. Thank you. Over on Foxhole filter dog. Thank you. I can't claim credit for the Matador's cloak analogy. That is definitely, um, from my friend, my friend, Adam Kelm, a Kelm 88 right here. Adam Kelm. Great follow on Twitter and on true social. That is something he educated me on. And I mean, I don't know if he came up on his own or if he got it from somewhere else, but he's the one who commented that, that Matador's cloak thing to me. And I just think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think it's perfect. Other people have mentioned to me in comments, Wano Savin has been saying that forever. I really don't care because I think Wano Savin is full of shit. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if Wano Savin has been saying that forever, well, good for him. But uh Yeah. <laughs> Okay, before I get to, I see a lot of support and comments from me talking about Trump as an asset at the Badlands event. I may do it, guys. I'm, I'm, I may do it. I'm, I'm toying with it. So, uh, before I move on, Ria, thank you very much for your generosity. Really appreciate it. Thank you for that Rumble rant. True heroes working together. That's right. Um, Trump and team. Trump assembled a team of heroes. He did. And, uh, yeah. Um, thank you for, uh, thank you very much. Music and fiction. Good morning. He said it's the old sacrifice upon to take down the queen move. The only difference is that Cohen is willing to go to prison for years and help tank the DOJ NYCDA's case with perjury. Yep. That's, that's very pot. I mean, I think he is willing to do that. Um, but I, more and more, I'm thinking that he actually isn't there testifying against Trump. I'm thinking more and more. I'm thinking that's all fake news 
that has been used to draw attention to the case and the case, the target of the grand jury isn't Trump. More and more, I'm, th- I'm thinking that. And uh, 2020 Wayne, thank you very much for the Rumble rant. He says, while deciding, consider your target audience. Who tunes into Alt News? Awakening normies, consider your plus opposition, not the sleeping normies. So the Trump's narrative still serves his purpose. Hmm. You make you make a good point. Yeah, thank you for that, 2020 Wayne. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep thinking on it. So let's talk about Horowitz. Now I shared I don't want to I don't want to share the same thread. I went over this last night on Defected about how Horowitz and Trump had a synchronicity. Um where Horowitz is asking for the ability to investigate DOJ lawyers and prosecutors, and he wants subpoena power so he can subpoena them. He can subpoena um, retired FBI agents and other DOJ employees. Um, he wants he wants to have that upgrade. He's been wanting it for years. He's asking for it again. And that there was a synchronicity with Trump saying something about DOJ lawyers and local prosecutors that report to DOJ being used to win elections. And I think it's a great synchronicity here. Let me, uh, Oh, I need to unmute this tab. Hold up. Uh, go back here. Well, you have to stop the weaponization. You know, they're running elections with prosecutors. That's what they're doing. They're using just like they stuffed the ballot box, just like they use the FBI. They're using Department of Justice and also local prosecutors who report to the DOJ. They're using them to try and win elections, and that's something you're not allowed to do. So it's fine with me because we have them caught, and uh, it's a disgrace. And you see how that thing's imploding. Nobody's yeah. ever seen anything like it. They yeah. got caught. Brag, brag. So I, I just th- I love that synchronicity between Trump and Horowitz, especially since Horowitz is such a key person in the drops. We know that he is a key, key figure in the plan to bring justice. And the work that Horowitz has done is amazing. And it's hilarious to me to watch black pillars try and take a dump on Horowitz for his work. When the guy has literally put together and linked together millions of pages of documents to detail the swamp and to provide evidence for others to go after the swamp. And as we talked about last night, there's been so much that he has actually accomplished. I want to um, tell you about, yeah, let's go to this next. Dawson commented on this and he said, look, hopefully he has better luck getting his authority to do these things than he had in 2019. In 2019, the GOP didn't want him investigating how AG Gonzalez, that'd be under Bush, how his DOJ blocked the prosecution of Epstein. So it didn't happen. Remember the sweetheart deal that Epstein got. And I want to go back and read this thread from Dawson that is from 2019, because it's pretty interesting. It is worth looking at. So he says, this is the most beautiful Machiavellian scheme I've ever seen. Inspector General Horowitz has asked for a new jurisdiction. 
he is asking the Senate to pass a bill giving him the authority to investigate prosecutorial misconduct. The hook is the allegation that Labor Secretary Acosta, remember Trump put Acosta as Labor Secretary and his admin, and people are like, why is he doing that? The hook is that Acosta cut a sweetheart deal with Jeffrey Epstein in a sex abuse case. Horowitz is telling Congress that he can't investigate this Trump official for misconduct he or someone else may have conducted unless he gets the authority to do so. So, of course, the Democrats were like, ooh, we need to support this because we want Horowitz to go after anybody in the Trump administration, right? How wide open would the DOJ misconduct under the Obama administration and since be if IG Horowitz investigators are legally allowed to investigate prosecutorial misconduct? Acosta and Epstein are the camel's nose under the tent. The whole camel is all the other cases of misconduct by U.S. attorneys. This bill would strip DOJ OPR that's the Office of Personnel, Profession, Office of Pers- Professional Responsibility. That's who you, allegations of misconduct by prosecutors and litigators and whatnot is referred to the OPR and not to IG Horowitz. This bill would strip DOJ OPR, who many consider to be tainted by those protecting the swamp, and give jurisdiction to the OIG to investigate misconduct in both criminal and civil cases by DOJ attorneys. And there was an update a few days later. Update seems DOJ OPR is also investigating this case now. Are they trying to blame Acosta? Or are they going after the people at headquarters that protected Epstein? Time will tell, but Horowitz thinks he needs the jurisdiction from OPR. Now, this failed. This didn't pass back in 2019. Horowitz didn't get what he wanted. Now he's asking for it again. And there was a bill... Last um, last year that would have granted him this authority. Let me see if I can find. I linked it early on earlier in this somewhere in this thread. I have it linked in the comments. Um, thought it was in this one. Where to go? Where to go? Maybe it's in my last. It's from Mean Gene One. He commented to me. Yeah, there's this. I thought it was on this one that commented one of those things where I need the thread to stack right so that I can find that specific comment maybe it was on a different thread that mean gene commented maybe in that but um Was it here? No, somewhere in there. But anyway, Mean Gene One commented to me. Oh, I bet it's on this one. I bet it's on this one. Looking at the bill, I bet it's on this other thread I did that we're about to go through. Let me scroll down and find it because it feeds into what I'm talking about now. Dang it, where did it go? I should have bookmarked just Mean Gene 1's comment and the mini thread that broke out from it. 
There we go. There we go. Now I found it. It's a matter of clicking on it right so that it expands the replies I want it to. So there was a bill to do this last year, and it got put on hold in the Senate. And I think I found that bill right here. I think it was H.R. 2662, which passed the House. But in the Senate, it got hung up. And one thing that stood out is that James Comer, who lately has been making a lot of headlines for going after the Bidens, he put an amend- he offered an amendment to it that would strike the stuff that Horowitz wants. And that's a big red flag to me. I think it's a pretty good test of who's swampy and who's not in the House and the Senate when I think it's a pretty good test of like people who want to give Horowitz the power to do this are probably less swampy than the people who are trying to stop Horowitz from getting the power to subpoena people and go after DOJ litigators and prosecutors. So anybody who's trying to block it, I look at, uh, I'm sus of, but let's go through this, uh, this statement from Horowitz Horowitz. Uh, I've been reading, I've been reading the uh, statement or the uh, statement that Horowitz provided to the house before he testified in the, on the, this committee about all these things. Um, he did this on Friday. I believe it was, um, now in this report, which is linked in this thread, it's, uh, it's not that long. It's this right here. It's only eight pages. It's statement by Mike Lee Horowitz, Inspector General for the U.S. DOJ, before the U.S. House Representative Committee on Appropriations and Subcommittees on Commerce, Justice, Science, and Related Agencies. Very government-like title. So, some notable things in this report. During fiscal year 2022, DOJ issued 89 reports. DOJ OIG, okay? So, Horowitz office issued 89 reports. 463 recommendations identified over $7.8 million in questioned cost. So spending that uh, doesn't seem to be on the up and up. And they opened 190 new misconduct allegations or investigations. That's without them being able to investigate prosecutors and litigators and DOJ lawyers. That's 190 new just for the year 2022 misconduct investigations of people that DOJ OIG can investigate right now, which we know is not everybody under DOJ. Those investigations have resulted in 80 arrests, which as I said last night on defected your favorite fake news channel, whether it's on the left or the right, hasn't told you about these arrests, have they? You would think that conservative incorporated in MAGA media who are constantly telling you about how bad DOJ and FBI are would have been very, very interested in telling you about the 80 arrest that resulted from IG Horowitz investigation. Nope. 
Nope. They're not, they're not telling you about that. And I think they're not telling you about that because they just like to tell you that things are bad. Most of Con Inc. and MAGA media, in my opinion, loves being fake news for the right. They love telling you about how bad things are, and they want you black-pilled and dooming, and they want you to click on their clickbait, and they want you to get upset by their rage bait that they constantly publish, and they don't actually care about telling you about anything good happening. They care about clicks and views. If it wasn't that, if that wasn't the case, they probably would have told you about the 80 arrest, 109, 129 administrative actions, meaning 129 actions where someone was forced to resign or relieved of duty or their employment was downgraded in some way or $23.5 million in recoveries, meaning spending or um, some sort of money that should not have been spent where it was and was recovered, embezzlement, um, misappropriation, things like that. The IG also states that DOJ's top management and performance challenges are, so this is like a ranking of what is most important for DOJ to concern itself with, are one, enhancing cybersecurity and countering cybercrime, enhancing the department's response to the opioid crisis, strengthening public trust in the department. So number three is look, DOJ and FBI have a really bad rap with the public right now, mostly thanks to fake news media on the right. Number three, priority to deal with that. Number four, safeguarding and promoting national security, managing the post pandemic impact on DOJ operations, strengthening police community partnership in response to violent crime, effective management of DOJ contracts and grants managing human capital and improving management of the federal prison system. That report is 60 pages long from the OIG, but it's basically telling them, look, DOJ, you guys need to focus on these areas. That's part of your job. And here's how you're screwing up. Now, the real, I talked about this last night on defected. One of the real highlights of this statement was that Horowitz says that his office has been working on completing and will soon be releasing their investigation into the Bureau of Prisons handling of Jeffrey Epstein's incarceration at the Metropolitan Correction Center in New York. And I'm really looking forward to this report because I believe that Epstein didn't kill himself. I don't think he got killed. I I think he's still alive. I think it was all fake in order to protect him because he went into witness protection because he flipped on Ghislaine Maxwell and he flipped on a bunch of other people who were part of his trafficking enterprise. And so I think they faked his death in order to protect him. And I have made that case on this show before why there are things that I think that reasons I think that, but Horowitz investigating this, um, it's really interesting to me because it could totally prove me wrong. He could totally, he might, his report might blow up my theory that Epstein is actually alive and it wasn't faked. Or it might show something that I haven't figured out yet. And that, um, like it, like it may show something where I'm like, Hmm, I'm not sure 
Maybe he didn't kill himself. Maybe he was killed in his cell. Or maybe there'll be a few little crumbs in there that indicate I might be onto something in in Epstein still being alive. I don't know, but anyway, either way, it's going to be really interesting to me what is in Horowitz's report, and I haven't seen this talked about anywhere that Horowitz is working on this report. Um, the prosecutor that was going after the prison guards that were on duty that night lost interest a little over a year ago. He just made a filing after these people had lost their jobs and had been indicted for uh, negligence and something else, I think. Um, and just said, look, I'm not, we're actually, DOJ's not interested in prosecuting these people anymore. So it may have something to do with the prosecutors that decide not to prosecute. We'll see. It'll be, it'll be, whatever it is, it's going to be really interesting. Next. Investigator general is going after PPP loan and COVID assistance fraud, including fraud committed by DOJ employees. One thing or another topic that the fake news media on the right and the fake news media on the left has made sure to ignore is all of the cases of COVID-19 related fraud that DOJ has been going after. They've been busting so many people. It's like every single week. If you go to justice.gov and just look at the press releases, almost every week for the past like six months, there's been an indictment of somebody for embezzling or paycheck protection program fraud or COVID-19 loan fraud or assistance fraud or um, selling products that were inferior uh, like masks or testing kits or some other thing or some service that purported to be um, up to snuff and actually wasn't. It was all fake. Like, there have been so, I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars have been gone after for fraud against, and it's doctors, pharmacists, various companies, uh, charities, hospitals, like all sorts. This DOJ has been going after tons of people who committed fraud and other crimes off of the COVID response. And it's great news. It's good stuff that needs to happen, but you have to go find it. You have to go find those reports. Just something else good that DOJ is doing that the fake news media isn't interested in telling you about. I also found in this statement that it looks like somebody got busted, misused, somebody in DOJ got busted misusing EO14006. So EO14006 was issued in January 2021, and it calls for DOJ to cease renewals of contracts with privately operated criminal detention facilities. I remember when D- when uh, Biden signed this, and I remember it was like, oh, this is one of the EOs that Biden issued very early on that actually we kind of like. We kind of like that. Um because it's a racket. The prison industry is a racket. And DOJ wrote, we found that to replace an, ex- this is from the report. We found that to replace an expiring contract with a private contractor, the U S Marshal service entered into an intergovernmental agreement 
with a local government entity, which then contracted to the same contractor to continue to house the detainees at the same facility. The intergovernmental agreement increased the U.S. Marshals' cost. Potentially, (coughs) pardon me, potentially by as much as $6 million per year and provided the USMC, the U.S. Marshals, with less direct oversight of the facility than when the USMS contract direct contracted directly with the private contractor. So this was supposed to, what they were supposed to do is um, not renew these contracts and to uh, gain more oversight and contract directly. But what happened was this same, when this contract came up, they decided to, make an agreement with a government, a local government. And then that local government made an agreement with the U S marshals, but it was the same people in the same facility. And all they did was just put somebody in the middle and increase the cost by 6 million per year. Classic. I mean, just classic swampy behavior. So Horowitz Horvitz's office told the U.S. Marshals Service it should take steps to assess those these identified concerns to issue, ensure the proper stewardship of taxpayer dollars when implementing EO 14006 as future contracts expire. <clears throat> In March 2022, they alerted the department to their concerns, and since that time, no such IGAs, intergovernmental co- agreements, have been entered into by the U.S. Marshals to address expiring contracts with privately operated criminal detention facilities. So prison industry is a racket and Horowitz caught um, this one private contractor abusing and misapplying EO 14006 and also this locality, this local government. Um, I'd like to know who it was. I'd like to know what contractor it was. They should be investigated. And if they did this on like, I don't know. I, I would hope that there might be more consequences for this. I don't know. Maybe there were consequences and it's just not included in these details. Now, here is the statement from Horowitz about the uh, him getting oversight. I've already detailed what it is that he wants. He says, while the OIG has jurisdiction to review alleged misconduct by non-lawyers in the department, It does not have jurisdiction over alleged misconduct committed by department attorneys when they act in their capacity as lawyers, namely when they are litigating, investigating, or providing legal advice. In those instances, the Inspector General Act of 1978 as amended grants exclusive investigative authority to the department's Office of Professional Responsibility. As a result, these types of misconduct allegations against department lawyers, including any that may be made against the most senior department lawyers, including those in department leadership positions, he wanted to include that, are handled differently than those made against agents or other department employees. DOJ OIG has long questioned this distinction between the treatment of misconduct by attorneys acting in their legal capacity and misconduct by others, a distinction not made in other federal agencies and a limitation not imposed on any other office of inspector general. As I have stated many times in the past, 
or in past congressional testimony, there is no principled basis for authorizing OIG oversight of DOJ law enforcement personnel, such as agents of the FBI, while excluding DOJ lawyers from that same OIG oversight. Providing the DOJ OIG with the authority to exercise jurisdiction in profession in, in attorney professional misconduct cases will enhance the public's confidence in the outcomes of these investigations and provide the OIG with the same authority as every other inspector general. The House of Representatives has passed legislation, the IG Access Act, numerous times on a bipartisan basis to address this gap in the DOJ OIG's oversight jurisdiction. The Senate has also demonstrated overwhelming bipartisan support for this reform, but has been unable to pass the legislation because of one hold placed on the bill. I look forward to working with both chambers of Congress and the administration to pass this important legislation in the 118th Congress. And I don't, it see, I mentioned earlier that Comer had made that amendment that took away that, the whole purpose of it, that, that neutered basically the bill, but Homer's in the house. Comer, Comer is in the house. I don't know what the one hold in the Senate is. I haven't been able to find it. If anybody does find it, they're welcome to message me or comment somewhere on something I've posted to let me know what it is. So give the OIG subpoena power. Another critical reform needed for my office is the authority to subpoena witnesses for testimony in DOJ OIG investigations and reviews. As they have noted on multiple occasions in congressional testimony, I strongly support granting inspectors general testimonial subpoena authority because the absence of such authority hinders the ability of OIGs to conduct complete oversight. Without this authority, OIGs are unable to obtain potentially critical evidence from former federal employees, employees of federal contractors, and grant recipients, and other non-government witnesses unless they voluntarily agree to be interviewed. Although concerns have been raised about providing this authority to the entire OIG community, Congress has provided testimonial subpoena authority on a bipartisan basis to individual OIGs based on demonstrated need including to the Defense Department OIG, that'd be Robert Storch, and most recently to the Inspectors General of the Department of Veteran Affairs. I believe the DOJ OIG has demonstrated a significant need for this authority and because we are part of the Justice Department with direct oversight of the Attorney General, the use of this authority can be appropriately safeguarded so it is not misused and does not interfere with any ongoing DOJ criminal investigation. Now, That line, because we are part of the Justice Department with direct oversight by the Attorney General, I just kind of wonder, man, if he's thinking about Attorney Gonzalez. But I don't know yet. In terms of oversight needs, a federal employee's resignation or retirement enables the former employee to avoid being interviewed by the OIG. Okay. Think about how... Think about how that would get in the way of the inspector general cleaning up the DOJ. A federal employee resigning or retiring enables that former employee to be avoid being interviewed. 
by the OIG about serious misconduct the former employee allegedly engaged in while working for the federal government. It also has an impact on the ability of law enforcement components to adjudicate misconduct cases. Indeed, a September 2021 DOJ OIG review found that in more than 10% of the misconduct cases pending before the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility in 2017 and 2018, the FBI employee simply retired or resigned prior to the disciplinary process being completed. We further found that the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility closed those cases without regularly documenting substantiation decisions. So people would just be like, uh-oh, I think I've been caught. I think I've been caught for uh, some misconduct I engaged in and the OIG wants to interview me. I think, uh, I think I'll go ahead and retire. I'll just retire. And then they can't compel me to be interviewed. They can't subpoena me. And it'll just go away. Further, an OIG's inability to compel testimony from federal contractors and grant recipients can result in the OIG being unable to gather sufficient evidence to hold the contractor or grant recipient accountable for waste, fraud, and abuse in connection with the use of federal funds and therefore affects our ability to recover misused federal funds. OIG's access to relevant testimony from witnesses who are former federal employees or employees of contractors and grant recipients is often essential in order for OIGs to conduct complete investigations of employees, including conducting effective whistleblower retaliation investigations. Testimony of subpoena authority would greatly enhance the DOJ's OIG ability to access important evidence that authority can and should be accompanied by appropriate safeguards to protect against misuse. They need it. Man, I hope this passes. All right, next thing from this report. DOJ OIG wants a 5.1% budget increase for next year. 1.9 million basically program to enhance support complex investigations. Check this out. Our fiscal year 2023 request includes $1.889 million program enhancement to support complex criminal investigations and allow the DOJ OIG to investigate highly sensitive matters relating to allegations of waste, fraud, abuse, and misconduct involving DOJ programs and personnel. Uh-huh. We estimate that these additional resources will allow, will allow our investigative division to open between 55 and 65 additional cases on top of our average current case inventory of 580. Nothing's happening, though. Nothing's happening, guys. Nothing is happening at all. DOJ OIG requested $4.865 million for cybersecurity technology, software enhancement, AI, and machine, machine learning capabilities. I thought that was pretty interesting. They want to, uh, they want to spend just about $2 million on um, adding 
artificial intelligence and machine learning programs to go through all these documents and electronic um, information just to help them sort through it and find things that are related. Makes all the sense in the world for them to use this capability and would speed up their investigation greatly. And finally, $10 million for the OIG's oversight of DOJ crime victim funds, which is a place where lots of fraud happens because this money is money doled out to crime victims. And uh, sometimes it is, well, it's just, there's a lot of fraud and abuse in this area. So, good stuff. I'm really hoping that Horowitz gets this ability. All right. Let me close those next. Well, where do I want to go? All right. I'm going to hit this one real quick. So, This story made a lot of waves last week about Hunter Biden used FBI mole named One Eye to tip him off to China probes. It's from Miranda Devine, who can be really good, but also pushes normie conservative conic narratives and whatnot, but can be good. She writes that Hunter Biden had an FBI mole named One Eye who tipped off his Chinese business partners that they were under investigation, according to an Israeli energy expert arrested in Cyprus last month on gun running charges. Okay. So first thing, this is going to be like, uh, well, that, that stands out to me. This is not according to documents obtained by the New York post. This is not according to sworn testimony. This is not according to some investigation that was carried out, which has receipts. No. It's according to, quote, an Israeli energy expert arrested in Cyprus last month on gun running charges. Big red flag. Big red flag. The House Oversight Committee is investigating the explosive claim by Dr. Gal Luft, a former Israel Defense Forces lieutenant colonel with deep intelligence ties in Washington and Beijing. Another red flag. Deep intelligence ties in Washington and Beijing. Like, okay, we got two alarms right here, two red flags that should make everybody super skeptical. He says he was arrested to stop him. His arrest was not for gun running. No, I was arrested to stop to stop me from revealing what he knows about the Biden family and FBI corruption. Uh huh. Luft fifty six first made the claims on Twitter on February eighteenth after being detained at a Cyprus airport as he prepared to board a plane to Israel. He said, I've been arrested in Cyprus on a politically motivated extradition request by the U.S. The U.S. is claiming I'm an arms dealer. It would be funny if it weren't tragic. I have never been an arms dealer. 
DOJ is trying to bury me to protect Joe, Jim, and Hunter Biden. Well, if that's the case, if that's really what's going on, they did a shit job of it because here you are on Twitter making these claims. If Dr. Luft is so concerned about DOJ stopping him from revealing what he knows about the Bidens and the FBI, why doesn't he just post it on Twitter like he's posting these other things on Twitter? This is him. Luft remains in jail, awaiting extradition, but apparently still has access to Twitter, where he can make the same claims that he says that he's being blocked from making. He remains in jail over charges of arms trafficking in China and Libya and violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Through his American lawyer, Robert Hinnock, Luft said he tried four years ago to inform the DOJ that Chinese state-controlled energy company CEFC had paid $100,000 a month to President Biden's son, Hunter, and $65,000 to Joe's brother, Jim, in exchange for their FBI connections and use of the Biden name to promote China's Belt and Road Initiative around the world. Luft learned about the scheme through his own relationship with Hunter's Chinese business partners, Patrick Ho and Yi Jianming, the chairman of CFC. CEFC. From 2015 to 2018, Luft organized international energy conferences in partnership with Ho's think tank, the nonprofit China Energy Fund Committee, CEFC USA, a front organization for Ye or Yi's CEFC. Yi confided to Luft that Hunter had an informant in the FBI, quote, or formerly of the Bureau, extremely well placed who they paid lots of money to, to provide sealed law enforcement information. The FBI mole was called One-Eye. One-Eye told Yi that the Southern District of New York was investigating him and or Ho in late 2017 and that an Asian, an African, and a Jewish guy were named in a sealed indictment. Soon after that tip-off, Yi offered Hunter $1 million to be his private counsel and flew to China, leaving his wife, daughter, son, mother, and nanny in his $15 million penthouse at 15 Central Park West. Yi was detained in Shanghai three months later and disappeared. Before he left New York, Yi told Ho that the coast was clear for him to come back to the U.S., on November 18, 2017, Ho flew into JFK Airport, where he was arrested by FBI agents on bribery and money laundering charges. Ho was the patsy, the fall guy, says Luff's lawyer, Hinnock. Ho was convicted in December 2018 without calling a single witness, served three years in jail, and was deported. Prosecutors placed the spotlight in his case on China's use of foreign bribery to win contracts for its Belt and Road Initiative. Hunter was paid $1 million by CEFC to represent Ho, which entailed contacting his FBI sources on Ho's behalf and engaging another attorney to do this legal work, according to emails on his laptop. CEFC paid a further $4.9 million to Hunter and Jim Biden in monthly installments for 14 months from August 2017. 
Okay, I got a question. This guy says, quote, DOG is DOJ is trying to bury me to protect Joe, Jim, and Hunter Biden. And yet, it seems like he's easily able to make all these claims on Twitter about DOJ, Joe, Jim, and Hunter Biden. It doesn't seem like they're stopping him at all. Next question. If one eye was supposed to be feeding information to Hunter about sealed indictments and Ho and Yi were paying for that information, sounds like he gave him bad information because Ho arrived in New York November 18th, 2017 and got arrested. So why didn't one eye tell Hunter to tell Patrick Ho, don't come to the U.S. There's a sealed indictment for you. Luft claims he contacted the DOJ after Ho was jailed and federal investigators flew to Brussels to interview him for more than 18 hours on March 28th and 29th in 2019. But he never heard from them again, and less than four weeks later, Joe Biden announced he was running for president. He says the DOJ had this information in March 2019 and did nothing. Hinnock, his lawyer, has been speaking to congressional investigators, including James Comer. Now, Here's the next big, big red flag. Big red flag. Luft is well-connected in intelligent circles in D.C. where he runs a think tank, the Institute for Analysis of Global Security, with former CIA Director James Woolsey and former National Security Advisor Robert McFarlane. Massive red flag. What you want to bet this guy is actually... Actually is running guns. (laughs) And got busted. And what you want to bet he had some sort of business relationship with the Bidens before they flipped. And he's trying to put up a shield to protect himself and say, no, the DOJ is after me because I'm exposing the Bidens. These charges are, are BS. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm innocent. I've been trying to tell the DOJ about how bad the Bidens are and they won't listen to me. And now that Biden's president, they're going to prosecute me. They're trying to shut me up even though he's running his mouth like crazy on Twitter and through his attorney. Now, 
Kanakoa put together a good theory here that this one eye FBI mole is very likely ex FBI director Louis Free, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, Louis Free gave a hundred thousand dollars to the Bidens to a trust fund. And um, he's on the Hunter Biden laptop with some communications between Hunter and him. <clears throat> Louis Free being one eye makes a lot of sense. And I don't think it's out of the question that, yeah, Louis Free could be one eye and could be the person that was feeding some information to the Bidens up until the point that the Bidens got caught. And stopped working for the swamp. And here's this gal left guy right here. He's he's been so he's been treated so badly, and the DOJ has shut him up so perfectly on trumped up charges that he's he shared this interview with Miranda Devine yesterday. So, and good morning, Mermaid Miss K. I know you and I are on the same page on a lot of this. Uh, hope you're doing well, Mermaid. I I just don't like. I'm not saying that the hunters didn't have some sort. The the Bidens didn't have some sort of connection with the FBI, and they were uh, um, they were getting some information about what the FBI was doing, but that seems to have ended because if they were getting, see, there's a tell here. There's a, there's a really interesting marker here. Supposedly they were getting this information that would let them warn people, their partners about sealed indictments. And yet Yeji and mean got arrested in China and disappeared. And then Patrick Ho got arrested in 2017. The, they didn't warn them about those things. And then, That lines up really well with the FBI, the relationship between Hunter and his business partners changing. Because around about 2017, all of a sudden, Hunter's business partners start going to jail, but not Hunter. And I think it's because Hunter was at first an unwitting asset. And then they flipped him. And then he went around after this point in 2018 and 2019. We're mostly 2018, I think. He started running around with laptops that were loaded up with all this evidence against his family and his business partners and started forgetting them in places. Right? Twenty eighteen is when the Bidens stopped and then the Bidens also fell under investigation by US Attorney Weiss. I think twenty eighteen is the year that the Bidens stopped working for the swamp. Because they got caught. All right. 
covered the Miles Guo indictment last week. And I mentioned that it was Miles Guo and then his business partner, whose name is, what is it, G or J, Yan Ming, something like that. Um, but there was a third person who was also indicted and arrested, but isn't on the same indictment as Miles Guo. And it's Miles Guo's chief of staff, Yvette Wang. And it sounds like, according to Inner City Press, who does an excellent job, it seemed to him being in the courtroom, which, by the way, he was the only media in the courtroom, and that's not out of the norm. Um, this dude, this guy does real work. It seemed to him like the U.S. attorneys were trying to flip Yvette against Guo. And there's more people who are going to be arrested. Now, he came out with this report the other day because she had another appearance in court, and so did Miles Guo. And here's what he had to say. It's pretty interesting. Okay, here we are. Matthew Russell Lee, Inner City Press, here in Lower Manhattan. We're this is we're outside the building where it's said that President, former President Trump, is going to be indicted today, as early as today. But we've just covered a proceeding inside the, the Southern District Courthouse, right down the street over there, and it involved Yvette Wang. She's the chief of staff to Guo Wangui, uh, who's in detention for a billion-dollar fraud. Miss Wang was processed under a separate case number and was offered release on five million-dollar bond, but. Uh, she has to find co-signers, and the government, it turns out, has turned down, as we predicted, turned down the co-signers. The lawyer for Ms. Wang said that this is just an attempt to make her the government's friend, and intriguingly, they said beyond a Chicago-based lawyer and an IT professional who's not Chinese, one of the proposed suretors is an individual who offered up a $2.5 million house, but they said who the government is a very well-known individual who the government doesn't like. Inner City Press, I'm willing to say, well, I asked on the way out the lawyer for uh, for Yvette Wang uh, to confirm or deny that it's Steve Bannon. And he said, quote, we're not going to answer. But from all from all accounts and the way the government described it as well, they said that they didn't provide any information and that the individual was deeply involved in Mr. Guo's frauds. They also said that the other that those who didn't have as much money were victims. So it's ironic that a victim in a case described by the government would also be a co-signer, but they're, they're, the lawyer for Wang is calling it a movement, and I'd say the government is sort of portraying it almost as a cult in the sense that those victimized are still willing to sign surety and be put on the hook for $5 million if Ms. Wang were to run. Ms. Wang was not released. We're going to be writing a story on Inner City Press. We are covering this as a follow-up, to the, an exclusive follow-up to an exclusive story of her first presentment. Yvette Wang, the chief of staff of Mr. Guo, perhaps the key to the case innercitypress.com so miles guo wants out on bond and he says yeah i got a shirter who's willing to put up all this money for me to get out and the u.s attorneys are like no no we're not going to accept that guy because he's part of this we suspect he's part of this um and just to read, he has a nice little transcript right here, shorthand transcript, that the U.S. turned down the $2.5 million property offer for the bond. We have a, and they, they said, here's Wang's lawyer. I'll say this. My client, and this is Yvette Wang, the chief of staff for Guo. My client is a in political asylum seeker. He's, um, her only friends are in the movement. 
The judge says, well, she's been in the U.S. since 2017. Wang's lawyer says, we have a person well-known in the U.S. willing to put up $2.5 million worth of property. The judge says the U.S. turned, the U.S., meaning the U.S. attorneys, turned down the $2.5 million offer. Wang's lawyer said, yes, he has some legal problems. Could it be Steve Bannon? U.S. Attorney Murray says, this is premature. There is a process. I don't want to get into the names, but the person offering the $2.5 million property was involved in Guo's frauds. Steve Bannon. U.S. Attorney Murray then says, they proposed a lawyer who represents three of the entities involved in the fraud. For the court to evaluate, you will need all information from the people, the source of the funds. Wang's lawyer says, beyond the $2.5 million man, we have a lawyer who practices in Chicago. We have an IT professional who is not Chinese, and her best friend is Guo's daughter. They rejected her best friend's boyfriend. U.S. attorney says, well, all three of those are victims. They have no moral suasion. They are already victimized by Guo and Wang. Wang's lawyer then says they are part of the movement. Wang's lawyer then says they are part of the movement. Judge says, I won't direct the U.S. to accept miscellaneous John Doe's. You need to provide more information about Mr. 2.5 million. Wang's lawyer says, well, they turned down $2.5 million man because they don't like him. They are trying to keep her in to pressure her to be their friend. Yvette Wang, I found her docket. It was actually not easy to find. And I don't know why, like searching it, it wouldn't come up on the court listener. But I found a I found a screenshot of the document that had the case number, and then I searched that and I found it. But it was interesting to me that I had such a hard time finding it just by searching this. But I don't know. Maybe it was I, I don't know. Not alleging anything silly going on. Maybe it was just I don't know, maybe it was my fault. But I found her docket and bookmarked it. Um she it's a she's indicted for um wire fraud and what is it conspiracy to commit wire fraud and securities fraud are her charges right now um yeah conspiracy to commit wire fraud and securities fraud wire fraud securities fraud and unlawful monetary transactions remember she's the one who was but she was busted with tens of thousands i think i want to say it was $130,000 in cash is what she was busted with when they arrested her and tons of iPhones. Um, right now the bail is set at $5 million for her. They don't, they don't want her, uh, next, the preliminary hearing for her bail is set. Like these are the conditions right here. Initial appearance of Yan Ming, $5 million bail travel restrictions for SDNY and EDNY. Surrender all travel documents, supervised as directed, home detention, GPS monitoring. Um, defendant will disclose all assets. Defendant will have no contact with Miles Guo or JG and Ming or other co-conspirators. Defendant will have no contact with any alleged victims or witnesses. 
et cetera, et cetera. The next preliminary, the preliminary hearing is going to be on three twenty nine twenty three. I do not believe she got out on bond. Um, let's see, March twenty fourth. It says bond. Let me see if she did. I don't think she did. Let me check his feed to see if he she actually did the other day. Miles Guo counsel says he wants to testify in the Pross Michelle's trial, given that Michelle is said to have lobbied for China to get Guo extradited. But the submission will be ex parte. Interesting. That's very interesting. Miles Guo is also connected to the 1MDB scandal. Miles Guo is freaking dirty, guys. Like, <laughs> I see people always asking, like, if if Miles Guo is bad, how come Steve Bannon associated with him? Well, it's a good question. It's a good question. He's talking a lot about Pross Michelle. Man, is that trial starting right now? I think it starts this week or next week. And look at the date. That that case is very interesting and I'm trying to decide how much I want to cover it. The fact that it connects to Miles Guo makes me want to watch it makes makes me want to cover it um so oh yeah here it is uh moscow's chief of staff was busted in her apartment with one hundred and thirty eight thousand dollars in cash in a safe and 12 iphones numerous sim cards and a large hermes bag um yeah that like is is this is nothing is good. No, this is good, and I have a very very strong feeling that Bannon is a he's wrapped up in this. He he, I think he's I think he's wrapped up in this, and something more something else that gives me big concern is that he, this story came out in February. Bannon and Boris Epstein have this F Joe Biden cryptocurrency, which has lost 95% of its value in a year. And allegedly the proceeds of it were going to go to the wounded warrior foundation and another charity. And none of those charities, those charities say they haven't received any money from it. Um, it seems like it's one of these crooked cryptocurrencies that got used to get a lot of, a lot of cash flow at once all at once. And then the cryptocurrency isn't legit and, uh, was just a, a scheme to get money. Um, last summer, buyers of the cryptocurrency started, uh, started questioning claims by Ben and Epstein had made about the potential of FJB including their commitment to make donations to charities. According to the website and source code, the donations would come from a part of the 8% transaction fee that FJB charged every time a person purchases the crypto coin from the company. 
8% is significantly higher than normal. Epstein listed the Wounded Warriors Project, Tunnels to Towers, Semper Fi, and Patriot Freedom Project as donation targets on an episode of War Room in December 2021. But according to a spokesman for Wounded Warriors Project, as of January of this year, no donations have been made. Over the last few months, FJB administrators um, and the coin's creator, Tragney, a guy named Tragney, also claimed to have made at least two charitable donations, $500 to St. Jude's and an unknown amount to an unnamed organization supporting 9-11 first responders. But the representatives haven't provided proof of those donations. It appears that some of FJB's charitable account money has made its way to an intermediary account that sends money to another account that makes high-risk investments in obscure coins. Bad, bad, bad. That is bad, guys. Just like, not, oh, that is so good. Not, Not good. That is so not good. I, I've been told that Bannon hasn't commented on the Miles Guo situation, but and and I, and I and I people have said to me, "No, Bannon's an asset." I I haven't found any indicators of that, guys. I I haven't found anything that makes me think that. Um, I can say a lot of good things about Steve Bannon. Um, but I can also say some not so good things mixed bag for me. Um, but he is so, so tied in with miles Guo and has been for years. And, uh, he's so close that he can't post bond in these cases because he's a, he's definitely a person of interest and possibly a co-conspirator. Careful, careful. It's very, it's very concerning. I like, I feel like, I feel like we're headed for a, a Steve Bannon indictment related to this Miles Guo situation. And I feel like MAGA is going to defend Bannon and, you know, scream FBI bad. And I, I feel like I'm going to be over here reading the indictment and, and everybody's going to hate me for it. <laughs> but I, I just have this feeling that that's where we're headed, that sloppy Steve, he, it's, I, it's not good. I feel like Rudy busted, busted Guo or help bus Guo. And, um, 
housing concern. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. That'd be great. That'd be great if I was wrong. That'd be great. So. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks for, thanks for watching the show and being here today. If you enjoyed it, hit that thumbs up over on rumble and uh, thank you for the rants. Thank you for the um, gold pills over on Foxhole. Appreciate you guys. Um, I'll be back on Wednesday morning for another show. And uh, yeah, if you want to do more to support the show, the best ways are buymeacoffee.com slash justhuman, justhuman.substack.com. Sign up for those things and uh, you know contribute if you can. That's what makes the show possible. I really appreciate it. Benson Honey Farms, get yourself some honey. Use rep code justhuman. That helps me out. And you get yourself some awesome honey directly from the beekeeper. So all the links to support my, what I do are in my link tree and in the description of the show. You know where they're at. So <clears throat> God bless each and every one of you. Hope you have a good day. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. See ya.